Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And hello, Jays fans. Welcome to a new week of the 1620 The Jays podcast. I'm your host, John Bishop, alongside Connor Happer and Josh Peterson. We are going to take you around the world of Creighton Athletics as this academic season is just about over, but there is still games to be played, races to be run, and hopefully championships to be won as well. Coming up on this week's show, I'm going to have a chance to talk with Ryan Windham, who pitched the Jays to a big win, their second win this season, over a top 10 rated team as they downed UConn 7-6 on Thursday night. The game putting the Jays one very, very important step closer to qualifying for the Big East Conference Tournament, which will be next week in Ohio. Also, I bet you didn't know Creighton had a men's track team. Yeah, it's not a full track and field team like the ones that you see in other schools, but Creighton is running track events for the first time in over 60 years. And somebody who qualified for an NCAA meet will join us this week as Josh Peterson will talk with distance runner Tommy Ward. Also, Connor Happer will be along with his thoughts and insight all on this week's podcast, presented as it is each and every week by Barry Law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit BarryLawFirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. And now, here's Josh Peterson. John, thank you so much. We welcome onto the podcast today. Uh, we were just talking before we started. It's Tommy Ward, and I was mentioning how this is like the fourth or fifth runner that we have had on the podcast this year. Tommy, man, we really appreciate you uh, taking the time out for us today. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me, Josh. Absolutely. I'll ask you the question that I know a lot of people ask me you know, when I when I have a chance to talk to him. Have you got your run in today? Yeah. <laughs> I um I biked this morning actually and did my lift so I'm gonna actually do my workout tonight. But oh, awesome! <laughs> it's funny you ask that. We're trying to train for um Sacramento on the West Coast, so all my stuff is like um all my workouts and all my training big like the big training parts are in the evening, which is a lot of fun. That's <laughs> really smart to kind of get your body used to that. Are you usually a, a morning runner, a morning workout person? Definitely, yeah. Um, sometimes it's hard to get up, but I always. I always love like the feeling after a morning workout. Uh, yep, to have it done and everything. It's, it's just really, really nice. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Let Let's talk a little bit about Sacramento before we bounce around on some other things. Your next race is coming up on Wednesday, the twenty fourth. So next week, um, I I'm a marathon runner, so my tapers are often weeks at a time before a race. Obviously, you competing in the eight hundred meters. That's going to be a bit different. So what is your what is the workouts look like for you over the next week, given that you want to obviously peak on Wednesday with the potential to run one, if not two more races? Yeah, um, 
Workouts are fun. They're they're pretty similar to what we were doing before. Obviously, we cut back um, on reps and like how aggressive they are. We, I think, the biggest difference is the rest is longer too, um, because we just don't want my body to. Um, it's kind of twofold. We want me to be like ready and prepared and sharp, so we still want to do like these high um, intense workouts, but like we want my body to fully recover, so we don't want like short rest we um uh we still get up to the speed of like race speed but we um make sure i don't have like too much strain on myself yeah absolutely so you qualified for the nca west regional championships by running uh a sub 15800 148.8 this was a pr for you and if i'm to understand it correctly day after running in the drake relays as well what i guess what was that time period like for you given that you had just competed the day before and then you put such a strong race together the next day yeah that um obviously drake was our big focus we went into it um and i, I went into a lot of anticipation i was really excited about it and it didn't end up going the way um i wanted to personally uh i just the field was really condensed and i i couldn't get around anybody so it was a little unfortunate and um my coach and i talked after it he said we have a chance tomorrow which is true like regardless of how i felt or anything i, I knew i had a chance to the next day and um I've, I've joked about it before but i feel like i run better um not on a taper coming out of a deficit so uh i just kept telling myself that and um you know simpson was cool a lot of guys actually i think the top other top two guys there came off of Drake and ran at Simpson as well. And so it was, it was just a, a funny field, but we, um, they went out hard and went out with them and um, I knew the opportunity was there. So I just went for it. Tommy, you've had quite the, uh, the end of a high school career and a start of a college career, given that it overlapped, of course, with the beginning of the pandemic, you lose out on competition at the end of high school, then you're injured at the beginning of your Creighton career. So like, did this kind of feel like a, a nice culmination, I guess, of everything that you've kind of had to go through personally and individually over the last few years? Yeah. Um, all that stuff is like, yeah, it, it definitely left a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. Um, not like I, 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 I had, I started my senior year with an injury and then COVID and then I came to college and then I was like still COVID. And then I ended it with um, an injury, but um, to be honest, I, it doesn't really bother me anymore. Um, I don't like what happened, happened. I can't like go back and grab those seasons, but, um, I'm kind of, it changed my perspective where I'm, I'm just more grateful to the fact that I'm still running. Um, I'm doing like low 20 mile weeks for training just to, to stay out of injury and, the sheer fact that I can do what I can do because my coaches are flexible with me, the resources they give me, my teammates that are around me that support me and also um, kind of help me set my goals and my dreams. I, I think without all of that, I wouldn't still be running. So um, it's kind of like I ran 148 and I was like, oh, shoot. Like, it, it's kind of weird to think like I came into college thinking that this is what I was going to do. And then I, I got kept getting set back. So I was like, oh, maybe I won't do this. And um, just the team and everything that we um, kind of strive for is what put me here. So I'm just grateful for it all. I love that perspective because I wanted to ask you mentally, you know, what was that like where, you know, so often people love 
they they love the carrot at the end of the stick, right? It's it's for some it's not about the process. It's about hey, I get I get to run a race at the end of of this long block of training. You didn't you didn't have that for a variety of reasons, and yet on the other side, like you said, you feel grateful for for maybe the perspective that it allowed you to have on on just the ability to run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like the yeah, the, I I used to really like the racing part the most and everything, but almost now I I like the the work part. I like yep. the the workouts with my friends and the lifts and the um, rehabs and um, the community on the team just is fantastic. It's phenomenal. And uh, being able to be a part of that, um, I wouldn't want to do it any other way. So you mentioned the mileage. I wanted to ask you about the type of mileage that you, that you're doing 20 miles a week and, and then to still compete at that high of a level. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, that was, that took me a little while to like get used to because I, I in in high school I never really I wasn't like extremely high mileage I think we got up to 40s and 50s and mm-hmm. I thought that was a lot but as soon as we got into college like I I was like I got on the like in COVID and everything it was just so much fun to like run yep. in the morning and then eat lunch take a nap and then run again and so it's like I I really enjoyed the like just continuing like increasing my mileage and stuff and I was really excited about that. And so when I, I tore my labrum was what the injury got in college. And the doctor is like, yeah, you, you really shouldn't be running that much. And so I was like, well, I, I mean, I don't really know what to do then. And um, I talked with coach. I talked with my, my PT back at home, um, uh, Julie Young. She really helped me get some perspective on it. She, um, I don't know if this is true or not, but she told me about Furman runners. She was like, yeah, they have like a, a boost and they do most of their mileage on the, on like a boost treadmill, which is basically um, anti-gravity treadmill. Mm-hmm. It yeah. takes the weight off of you. And so it's like all these things, it's like, okay, maybe I can do it. And I ended up staying just because like, I, I really liked the team. I didn't really want to lose that aspect. And um, I was like, you know, what? I'm going to try to work out anyways. So I primarily do biking and swimming on non like big workout days on my like easy mileage, quote unquote, easy mileage is, um, on the bike or in the pool. And then I do workouts, um, on land and mm-hmm. that's about it. So it's usually in track, it's about 20 miles in cross country. It's about 30, um, a week, but yeah, I keep it really low. And, um, it helps with injury. Like I, I don't have like all these little injuries that other people do as much. Um, I don't feel as beaten up. I don't think so. It definitely helps me be more consistent, which is a huge factor. Um, coming back from injury, I've noticed uh, year one versus year two is the consistency is just uh, just being consistent with my workouts and everything has been a great deal. Um, but yeah, just I don't know. I, I I can't really question it. I don't have yeah. an option to go up in mileage, and honestly, I I don't really want to go up in mileage. I like swimming and biking, so. Do, do you think yeah. you'll keep doing this? Because you're only a sophomore. Looking forward, like, do, do you like this enough to to say, hey, when when you're fully recovered from the injury, to keep the mileage low and and do some of those other things to to you know just as long as you're working out, maybe you're not getting the time on the feet, but you're doing other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I um I'm definitely gonna keep doing this. I yeah, I would just get injured again if I go up in mileage. So um kind of don't have really much of a choice, but I honestly don't think if I could go up a mileage, I would. It, it's perfectly fine with me. It works out. So, couple more before we uh, let you out. Uh, cross country or track? Which one do you like running in more? Oh, man. Um, I definitely run better in track, but I love cross country. 
Yeah, that's how, that's how I always felt too. Just like I liked the scenery change, not going around an oval, you know, however many times. Oh yeah, and like everybody runs at the same time, so it's kind of like all the energies at one place, and yep. it's just a all the people are so nice. It's just phenomenal. I love cross country. Uh, yeah. Speaking of cross country, last fall you set the Creighton record in the eight k at the Platte River Rumble. I mean, what did did you feel like you had that going into you that day? Was was that a, a race that maybe caught you off guard that you were able to go that fast? Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. um, I, I guess I wasn't caught off guard. I've been training really, really hard um, and cross to try to get to a place where I, I really want to push my AK time. So that's just something I've, I've been interested in. And um, uh, it was kind of fun to do it at our home course um, to set that record. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I was just uh, hanging on to the race. I saw Marcus drop back my roommate, which is like unusual. He's usually finishing in front of me. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try to finish this race hard. And uh, I did. And it's it's funny because he had the record before that. And he, he's probably going to try to take it back from me, which is <laughs> totally fine. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was it was a fun race. I, I don't really know like what was going through my head during that moment. I just remember it like hurt a lot. And like I was like, well, I want to run fast. So I got to get through that. And yeah. Speaking of going through your head, last question for you. Let's talk a, a bit more about next Wednesday. You get to the starting line what what are you thinking what do you, i guess what do you think in the moment right before the first you know the, those few minutes before a race starts oh um i really like to kind of take it in slowly because um i don't know I, I feel like i don't know if it's the adrenaline or um anything like that but like those moments like right before a race start are so surreal where everything's like really vividly there and like it's just like you can't like escape that moment in your head and um but it's also strange because it's like you you know you're about to go and like race and like do all these things but it's like i don't know that moment's just so strong and um it's just kind of fun to take in the moment and yeah well tommy man i i hope that you have a great race i hope that you uh you enjoy your time and you're able to to take it all in good luck to you next wednesday the 24th in Sacramento, Tommy Ward will, will be competing in the NCAA West Regionals in the 800 meters after running a 148. Tommy, man, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Josh. I, I enjoyed being on here. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. 
1620 The Jays podcast continues. Ryan Windham, who was the top starter at the beginning of the year, worked the weekends, first game out. Then you get moved midway through the season. But tonight, back in the number one role, what did that mean to you to get that spot back? And how important was it to you, especially knowing everything that was happening for this series and how, how badly you needed it? How much was this weighing on you? Yeah, you know, I got moved out of that spot, but I actually really appreciate it because I was getting complacent in that role. And uh, moving me out of that spot really made me work hard to get back, get back there. So, uh, and obviously this is a huge series for us. We need to win this series to get to the conference tournament. So it was great. I, I showed up and did everything I could for my team. So you said you felt like you were getting complacent in, in what ways? Um, sometimes when you have that top role in the rotation, uh, you just think you have it locked down for the year. And, uh, I really appreciate what coach did and took me out and, made me think about what I need to do to get back to that spot. And I, I worked really hard to get back there. So, Some people would look at that, no matter what their attitude was, and look at it like it's a demotion, like it's, you know, no one believes in me. How did you take it in the moment? I looked at it as an opportunity, an opportunity to get better. And obviously my team needed me on Saturday. And uh, I was going to go out there next Saturday and, and work hard and cheer as hard as I could for Dom in that Friday spot. So. Talking about your performance tonight against UConn, looked like your slider was working really well. You got some big strikeouts when you needed it. But boy, doesn't it help when you got great defense working behind you? You had some great plays in the field that just kind of helped build that momentum. I mean, we're the, one of the top defenses in the country. So, I mean, once you go out there, you got that confidence behind you. It's great to have guys like Sterling, guys like Cliff, and Megs just making that diving catch at second. Like, just builds so much confidence when you got those guys behind you. So yeah, the play in center by Nolan mm-hmm. because you get the double play, yes. and you know double plays. Coach Service has talked about it. They're like turnovers in football or a slam dunk in basketball. I have to imagine that was a huge lift, especially the way it happened so early in the game when you guys had a big lead. Yes, Nolan Sailors has saved me so many times this year. I remember Wichita State, similar thing, but that double play was huge. We we got that momentum in the dugout, and it was great. So. We talked about your slider earlier on. When you looked at this lineup and you see all the run production and you see the home runs, you also have two really good base dealers mm-hmm. in that lineup. What did you feel your approach needed to be against this team? I knew I had to have both pitches on. Sometimes I got one on or the other. So I needed to have both my pitches on, and I was able to actually throw a changeup to the lefty tonight. That was really good. So I was, I was proud about that because I, I can't get a changeup going the whole season. So, yeah. How many changeups have you thrown all year? Can you even count them on one hand? No, probably less than 20. <laughs> yeah, so it was good to have all, all those pitches going for sure. This, this season for you, of course, it started at the top of the rotation, but coming off of last year, you were injured. You didn't get a chance to pitch very much. Kind of talk us through last year and just your recovery process and what your mindset was entering this year. Yeah, last year I only threw eight innings because I was coming off Tommy John. So I actually came back early, 10, 10 months. Usually it's longer than that. But uh, it completely changed my mindset. I, I had a r- routine. Everything's just completely different after surgery. So I, I have that uh, reliever mindset. But after surgery, I kind of formed into that starting role. So it gives, gives me more rest in between uh, starts. So. Is it hard to come I mean, so many guys now have done it and come off and been successful off of Tommy John surgery. But when you hear that that, that UCL is gone, does it 
what does it do mentally to you? Because you sometimes feel like, oh, my God, this could be it. But what was your emotions going through that? Yeah, I mean, it hit me hard for probably the first 20 minutes. And then I just formed a mindset of what are you going to do about it? You got to do something about this. You can't just sit here and mope around. And I worked really hard in rehab to get back to where I'm where I'm at today. And I the team, my, my teammates just really motivated me. I want to come back and fight for them. So. And you said you had that you had that relievers mentality before. At what point did it kind of switch for you where you thought I can be a starter? I want to be a starter. And then to move from not even playing much last year to being the number one starter at the beginning of the season. Talk me through that process. Yeah, you know, coach came up to me early in the fall and was like, I think you can start in this Friday role. And I said, I know I can. So I just had to work hard and uh, change my mindset of being that reliever and coming out for 20 pitches out of the bullpen and changing that to I got to work for 90, 85, 90 pitches of a start so, and be efficient. So Now the rest of the weekend, you sit back, you watch your guys. You only need to win one more game to get to the conference tournament. I know this month's been kind of disappointing, but this night and the lift that you got, the walk-off home run the other day, do you feel like maybe you got a little momentum after these two games? Yes, for sure. Uh, The UNO game really helped us. We were struggling to get that win just with the losing streak going on. But uh, I really think we've turned things around, and the energy in the dugout is just way better than uh, than we've had for the last two series. So it's great. I'm, I'm pumped, and our guys are going to get it done. So You know Dom's going to get the ball tomorrow. You going to have any advice for him, or you just stay away from him? Do pitchers kind of stay away from each other when it's their start? Uh, we talk a little bit in between starts, but he knows his strengths. He's got to pitch to his strengths, and that's what I do. We both know that we've got different fastballs. I'm more of a sinker guy. He's more of a uh, high-spin fastball guy. So we like playing off of each other's stuff, so it's good. Well, you did your job. Now it's the rep to the guys to get it done so we can play next week, and who knows what will happen after that. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to it, so. Congratulations, Ryan. Great job tonight. Thank you. I appreciate it. Ryan Windham, pitcher from Colorado, joining us here on the 1620 The Jays podcast. His effort on Thursday night was absolutely the most important of the season. This is a Creighton team that has been struggling in the month of May. Wyndham getting moved back into that number one starters role on the weekend and against one of the best offensive teams in the entire country. UConn is not just a team like Xavier, who's more of a power-hitting team, a lot of doubles, home runs. UConn can hit for power, but they can also steal bases. They're one of the top base-stealing teams in all of America. So they really put pressure on you one through nine. And Ryan Windham, the most important stat in his stat line from Thursday night was the zero in the walks category. This has been a Creighton pitching staff that has really struggled with the free base. You see a lot of the guys on their statistics and the strikeout to walk ratio is very close to one to one. A lot of teams want to be in that one and a half to one. The really good teams are two to one or better strikeout to walk ratio. And the Jays, unfortunately, this year have been not only giving up a lot of walks, but also they've hit a lot of batters. And when you have a team that hits the ball as well as UConn, the best way you can get in trouble against them is when you allow a lot of free bases. Well, Ryan Windham made UConn earn everything they got. They got two home runs, but all their runs came because of hits. No walks from Ryan Windham. It was really a tremendous effort, and it came at an absolute perfect time. Now, as you hear this podcast, and depending on when it is you download, this is being recorded late on Thursday night, the Jays could find out before they take the field on Friday night whether or not they've already locked in a bid into the conference tournament. Creighton now just needs, as of Friday morning, 
either one more Georgetown loss or one more Creighton win over the next two days, and they will be in the conference tournament. The good news for Creighton is, even though they still have to deal with UConn the next two days, Georgetown is facing off against now the new leader in the Big East, Xavier. Xavier won on Thursday. UConn's loss now puts Xavier in first place. And the Musketeers are now playing for a regular season championship. So if they can down Georgetown twice in a row, not only will they lock up a regular season championship, they will also lock in a tournament bid for the Creighton Blue Jays. Xavier's also playing for a possible at-large bid into the NCAA tournament. So any win that they can get at this point is absolutely monumental. So the Jays are in really good shape heading into Friday's action. Hopefully, uh, we will already know by the time first pitch happens, 6 o'clock Friday night, if the Jays are in or not. Also, good news, should the Jays make it to Mason, Ohio next week, for the first time in almost a decade, we will be there on the radio. We have not had a chance to call Big East Tournament action since 2014. We will be there. 1180 The Zone will bring you every Creighton game from the Big East Tournament. That tournament will begin Wednesday afternoon in Mason, Ohio, which is just a few miles north of Cincinnati. So be listening, be watching, uh, gocrayton.com for all of the schedule updates. Hopefully the Jays will be there, and hopefully I will be there as well as we will bring you all the action of Creighton postseason baseball on 1180 The Zone. Well, speaking of baseball, let's take a look at where the former Jays and what they have been up to. Connor Happer's got a report on where you can find former Creighton alums in the minors and in the majors with a look around the farm and a look around the major leagues, here's Connor Happer. All right, thank you, John. Welcome back. We're the 1620 The Jays podcast this week. I am Connor Happer. Everybody's in the baseball mood. We got three important baseball games coming up at the Chuck this weekend between Creighton and UConn. Jays would love to take a couple there and comfortably make their way into the conference tournament out at Prasco Park. But we have some Jays in the professional ranks. I want to take you through... An update on a few of these guys as we're now a few weeks into the professional season as well. Uh, The Jays have, by my count, see, let's, I forgot to count them up before we go here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players who are currently playing affiliated professional baseball. Now, I fully understand uh, that I did as much research as I could possibly do here. It is it is possible that the that this list is not exhaustive. I did as best as I could though. So if anybody out there listening, am I missing a guy? Uh, please please let me know on this. So uh, we have our 2022 draftees. We got a few guys from the 19 class, and then some guys that are of course uh, still around and having some success, uh, like Nikki Lopez and Ty Block and Anthony Bemboom, and and of course all the way back to Darren Ruff. So we'll start. We'll start, actually, let's go back to forward. Um, Darren Ruff uh, drafted in the 09 draft, uh, round 20, pick 617 overall by Philadelphia. I mean, he's been a name in the major leagues for a long time, has bounced from a couple organizations now, Philadelphia, San Francisco, uh, Mets, back to San Francisco. There was some news on Darren this week. So he's got over five years of service time at the major league level, uh, at this point in his career, and he's done that over you know this decade plus long period now. Just this week, Ruff agreed to a contract with the Milwaukee Brewers. He was 
designated for assignment, so he's off the forty man, you know, DFA'd. So the the clubs give the get the opportunity to trade or they go out on free agency or they can outright, you know, the players could take an outright assignment to AAA. Darren decided not to take the outright assignment from AAA, says I'm a major league player, and he gets a contract with the Milwaukee Brewers, so he is up there as we speak, and uh, he has played, I'm recording this on Wednesday afternoon, he's played the last couple nights, and so uh, Darren Ruff starting off his, uh, the next portion of his career with, with a new team, and that is in Milwaukee, and a contender of a team as well. So Ruff's been around the longest. We we start with him, of course. Then we go back to 2012, two guy, a pair of guys from the 2020, uh, excuse me, 2012 class. Anthony Benboom, uh, still in AAA, has made it a, mer- a major league appearance this year. He's spent time in the major leagues with the Angels, with the Rays, and now with the Baltimore Orioles this year. Uh, he's been in the Orioles organization for the last couple of years. He is he's made a brief appearance in the major leagues this year, but doing most of his time in AAA, uh, playing for the Norfolk Tides at the moment. So Ben Boom uh, still hanging on there. Ty Block in the 2012 class, of course, a, a great, great pitcher at Creighton and a pretty good one for the San Francisco Giants as well at that point in his career. He's now spent parts of six years in the major leagues. He's currently in AAA uh, for the Colorado Rockies organization, played for the Giants, uh, of course had some success there, uh, played for the Baltimore Orioles, and now for the Colorado Rockies. So he's in AAA for the Rockies organization. Then we go back to 2016, Nicky Lopez uh, spent his, you know, this was, wasn't a complicated uh, research project. Nicky has now spent parts of five years in the major leagues, which is really hard to believe. Uh, currently rehabbing with the Omaha Storm Chasers after having a, an emergency appendectomy uh, last week, uh, made his major league debut. It's almost been five, you know, four what five years now? Oh, four years uh, since he made his major league debut in May of 2019. He's got over three years of MLB active service time. Uh, that was when the season started. So Nikki is currently rehabbing in Omaha, which means they'll have to make a decision on the major league roster when he becomes fully healthy again, comes off rehab. Do you want him back in the major leagues? Um, and you would assume that he's got a spot there on the Royal infield as a, as a pretty good uh, dependable uh, glove on the infield at either the middle infield spots or, uh, you know, does his job well with the bat as well. Uh, so that's Nikki. And then we go back a few years before that three guys in the class of 2019 that are still around for the Jays. Uh, how about Jake Holton, who was a 10th round pick in 2019, number 292 overall to the Detroit Tigers, been in the Tigers organization since the draft. Last year, he advanced to double A, playing for the Erie Seawolves. This is one of my favorite parts of the project, by the way, just looking at the minor league teams that these guys uh, play for. Erie Seawolves and double A, uh, he began this year in Erie as well. He's currently on the Seawolves roster, hitting 212, but a everyday player in that lineup. Uh, Isaac Collins was a ninth rounder, 279 overall for the Rockies in 2019. Made it to double A last year for the Rockies organization uh, and then got a non-roster invite to Rockies spring training in 2022. Um, And then he was claimed 
before this season off of minor league waivers by the minor, by the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, he's played uh, he's played this year in at both the Double A and the Triple A level. Biloxi is the the Biloxi Shuckers in Double A, and then the Nashville Sounds at Triple A. And things were moving along for him at Triple A for Isaac, uh, but last week he was placed on the injured list in Nashville, so he'll be on the shelf at least momentarily. Uh, and then the other guy in 2019, Will Robertson, fourth rounder, 117th overall, Toronto Blue Jays. There's a bit of a connection there. Blue Jays, Blue Jays. There's a couple guys in the system for Creighton. Uh, advanced to double A in the Blue, Blue Jays organization. He plays currently for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, uh, where he's hitting 205 and is an everyday player in their lineup at age 25. So a couple guys going along steady that were you know top 10 round draft picks uh, in 2019. And then we go to the recent guys, the most recent draftees for the Blue Jays. That's uh, Alan Roden and Dylan Tabrock. Let's go with Tabrock first. Uh, eighth rounder, 239 last year, drafted by the Mets. Ended last season in uh, rookie ball in the Complex League for the Mets in St. Lucie. Uh, started 2023 playing for, started this year playing for the Brooklyn Cyclones. A, a plus, advanced A ball. Uh, Made a start in the beginning of April to start his season, and then from there went on the injured list, returned just this week, and pitched for the Brooklyn Cyclones. Uh, the Cyclones are always a fun team to talk about. They play their home games at, uh, at at Coney Island, as you could always see the Cyclone Roller. That's why they're named the Cyclones, the Cyclone Roller Coaster, uh, in the background. So he gets to be a part of that and gets to uh, live in New York and as part of the Mets organization and playing right there in Brooklyn. And then there's Alan Roden, who was a third rounder last year, went top 198th overall to the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, ended last season uh, as he was drafted in June for their A-ball team, started this year playing for the Vancouver Canadians of the A uh, Advanced A-ball League, the Northwest League, uh, currently slashing 292, 414, 417. So Alan Roden doing what he does, and just hitting. No surprise there. How about that? That's a pretty good crop. Like I said, another disclaimer. If I missed anybody, please uh, don't be afraid to to let me know. But that's a really good rundown of Jays who are uh, still playing uh, professional, you know, affiliated baseball at this point with a couple, you know, come-and-go major leaguers. I mean, Ruff, Ruff is up at the major league level right now. So Ruff is the only, at, at this moment as Ruff and Block and Nikki um, can sort of go up and down at any moment. But Darren Ruff is actually the only active major leaguer at the moment. Nikki is on a major league roster, but he is on the injured list at the moment as he's rehabbing. Um, and then Ty Block sort of on that edge as well as Anthony Benboom. So Ruff at the moment is the only guy. Amazing. Um, oh, it's been it's been 14 years uh, since Darren Ruff was drafted out of uh out of Creighton age he'll be he'll be 37 in July uh Darren Ruff will and he's made a great career out of being a 20th round pick for the Philadelphia Phillies in the 09 draft out of Creighton of course an Omaha guy as well out of Westside all right that's a fun little different thing um for this week that'll end my segment of the 1620 the Jays podcast uh can't wait to talk to you again next week when we're all together and recapping the whole academic year, which has been a good one for the Blue Jays. I'm Connor Happer. We'll send it back to John Bishop. John. 
All right, Connor, thanks a lot. As we wrap things up this week on the 1620 The Jays podcast, again, a reminder, Blue Jay baseball, Friday night, 6 o'clock on 1180 The Zone, and then Saturday afternoon, high noon, the regular season finale against UConn. All the Jays need to do is win one more game or get one more Georgetown loss over the next two days, and they will be in the conference tournament. Should the Jays play in the conference tournament, 1180 The Zone will also bring you every Creighton game from Mason, Ohio, next week. The Big East Tournament presented by Jeep will begin on Wednesday and run through Saturday. Four teams, double elimination, and of course, the winner of the tournament gets an automatic bid into the NCAAs. It's the only way the Jays can get into the NCAA Regionals this year. Hopefully they'll be there, and if they are, we will bring you all the action on 1180 The Zone. Well, that'll do it for this week's 1620 The Jays podcast, brought to you by Barry Law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit barrylawfirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. We'll be back next week with another new episode of the 1620 The Jays podcast. For Connor Happer and Josh Peterson, I'm John Bishop. The 1620 The Jays podcast presented by Barry Law is a co-presentation of Creighton University Athletics and NRG Media Omaha. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.